0: It is October fifth. I am Noah Alvarez.
1: I'm Jacob Mantra,
0: and you are tuned into the Podfathers Podcast, the only podcast on Apple Podcasts where we stay as cool as cucumbers and we do not flip off each other off. <laughs> we'll get we'll get to a little bit more of that later. But uh, Jacob, it's October, and you know what that means?
1: Spooky season. Yeah,
0: <laughs> spooky season. It's, it means October means a lot to different people, and obviously we're both on Twitter, and you see how different groups of people have different niches in October. I mean, some people like the pumpkin spice lattes, and some people like the Halloween-themed movies. Well, for sports fans, it's a huge, it's a great moment for us, because it's a great month for us, because there's playoff baseball, there's uh, breast cancer awareness in the NFL, there's conference matchups in college football that are really good, uh, and then there's all kinds of stuff, NHL starting, NBA starting, so there's a lot of good things sports-wise in October.
1: A lot to watch on TV, which is better than the dog days of summer, when baseball kind of grinds to a halt, or not grinds to a halt, but you know, it just... It's you, the
0: only thing. Yeah,
1: it's 162 games, okay? It's a long season, and sometimes you can get tired of baseball. So, October, though, provides rarefied air for playoffs of all sorts. And, I don't know, it's just an exciting time of the year. I think October, for me, marked marked a turning point in sports because it's like World Series, and right after the World Series is when the playoff, college football playoff committee starts really getting heating up, and mm-hmm. that's when the rankings really start mattering. Mad- to matter? God, I can't talk right <laughs> now. I'm making up words. And, of course... This year, uh, USC plays Notre Dame in South Bend, so USC actually plays Notre Dame at the end of, of November.
0: Yeah. So I'm actually looking forward to that matchup. Is October your favorite month? If not, what is?
1: Actually, you know, my favorite month is December. I like I'm a big Christmas fan, but not just for the gifts. I think as I've gotten older, I've learned to just I love the the bonding of family and friends. Yeah. Kind of. I feel like it's gonna sound so cliche, and I'm sure a few of the viewers at home are gonna laugh, but I Listeners. feel like the world becomes more kind.
0: Yeah. And I feel like oh, for one definitely. month, like
1: I swear, like yeah, I feel like crime goes down. and
0: <laughs> Well, maybe. <laughs> okay.
1: Like I said, I feel not
0: statistics. Well, yeah, like we don't have facts, exact numbers. So don't quote me on that. <laughs> but
1: I, I just, I love Christmas. I love December. But October's fun too because especially for Southern Cal, you really begin to see the weather change. September really doesn't do much weather-wise. Mm-hmm. But October is when it's like, hey, okay, it's a brisk 74 today. Yeah. And at night, it's going to be 72. and It's going to be a little bit cold. Colder but than 72. it's
0: great though. That was a weird number. 62 you mean?
1: <laughs> it does not get 62 degrees. You, you, Yes, yes, it does. Well, it okay. gets 62 degrees. You, we're, we're not, not weathermen. Yeah, guys. we're
0: not meteorologists. Move but
1: on. basically, yeah, um, October for me marks a turning point in sports and also kind of how everything kind of just picks up. Like after Halloween, you really hit the ground running because Thanksgiving's here. And then before you know it, it's Christmas and you're like, oh my God, I'm already opening gifts. Yeah. And then the new year comes and you reevaluate oh you your life again. Yeah, <laughs> oh my God, it's 2019. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: I would say December is probably my favorite month too, but October is great. I know mean, everywhere else, but SoCal, I think you could really see the seasons change. Yeah, we get a slight temperature change here, but in uh, Sacramento. Oh, yeah, that was and cool to see yeah, all three seasons. Yeah, you cool. get to see all four. Those four seasons. Come on, bud. Uh, but in, uh, in Sacramento, you know, you see the leaves change colors. Yeah, summer, winter, uh, fall, and spring. Four. Come on, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: gotta go enroll in an education class.
0: <laughs> um, you really get to see the flowers change colors, especially like in other. Places like Sacramento or other places out Midwest or whatever. In Southern California, there's very few seasonal trees like that. But yeah, October is a cool month for a lot of different reasons, especially if you're a sports fan. A lot of great playoff baseball. And because of that, we're going to have more of a playoff baseball, baseball-heavier episode. And um, before we get into some of the baseball and what I referenced earlier about flipping us each other off, last weekend, it's worth mentioning, Earl Thomas broke his leg, uh, the safety of the Seattle Seahawks. Broke his leg, carted off the field, and as he was getting carted off the field, he flipped off the Seattle Seahawks sideline. Obviously, he was a little bit upset. To give a little background, he, uh, you know, he was holding out, and obviously the Seahawks didn't want to pay for him. Just before the season starts, he decides to play, and he plays a couple weeks, but he's not too happy about it. And he eventually breaks his leg, and you know, this is kind of the reason why some players hold holding out. I know we have difference of opinion on here, but what, what's your take on him flipping off the sideline and all that?
1: Well, first things first, Earl Thomas is rightfully upset. And as we were talking off air about it, I can understand that frustration and where it's coming from. You know, he essentially was holding out. He wasn't given the money that he was asked for. He caved in, you know, and wanted to play, be part of the team, be part of a winning effort. And it's unfortunate that an injury such such as this has to make us realize the severity of the situation. But as I told you, I'm against holding out because I feel it's selfish to the team and the franchise. And more importantly, I feel it kind of gives players begin to think that they're bigger than the game. And an in injury such as this reminds players, no, no matter if it's Jimmy G tearing his ACL or Earl Thomas breaking his leg, injuries such as that ought to serve as reminders to fans, owners, coaches, and players alike that they aren't bigger than the game. And I think in today's social media, we we kind of hype that up and we make players bigger than what they are, and mm-hmm. it's sad. You know, it really is sad. I wouldn't wish that upon anybody, but. I suppose to answer your question, like, I can understand where that frustration is coming from. I just I wish there was a different way that the NFL Players Association could handle maybe getting the money you deserve because Le'Veon Bell is worth the money that he's right. going to be paid for. So is Earl Thomas, but so being was, one of the best safeties in the league for a while now. Yeah, and it's just I mean I guess as a player you got to wonder what your player association is doing. As we talked a little bit about that because as you mentioned the MLB doesn't really have a salary cap, NBA is always changing thanks to their players association. Mm-hmm. So with the NFL it's kind of like how are they not on par with baseball and NBA? It's kind of a little bit of a head-scratcher.
0: Exactly. The episode that Joseph hopped on, and we had a good lengthy discussion that NFL still remains king in, as far as the United States' most viewership. Oh, yes. And they still probably have the most income compared to these other sports that, that rule during the year. Uh, and, and it's sad that the NFL players can't get the same amount as some of these other sports players. We were just talking about Aaron Rodgers and Khalil Mack's contract extensions where they got huge paydays but guys like in the NBA just for example Mike Conley is getting paid more than an Aaron Rodgers and a Khalil Mack and Khalil Mack and Aaron Rodgers are both the best players at their respective positions Mike Conley is probably the 11th 12th best point guard in the NBA and other players in the MLB too are getting paid more and more than you know Price Harper is going to make probably 3 times what Rodgers makes but is Rodgers is Harper 3 times as valuable as Rodgers probably not um so it's it's a little harsh to see Obviously, like you said, it comes down to the players' union, and obviously, when the next bargaining agreement comes out, or the the bargaining agreement comes to an end, this current contract, I'm sure there's going to be another kind of lockout, like they had back in what was it, 2011 or 12, um, where they have a shortened season, and they try to get that worked out because I think the salary cap doesn't definitely needs to be softened up and have a higher ceiling because some of these players do need to get paid, and it sucks for old Thomas, man. I mean, like you said, he's been one of the best safeties, one of the best players of that Seahawks Legion of Boom, and really started he was the beginning the first player there. Um and so just it really sucks to see that could be his last game, not just for the Seahawks, but of his NFL career. And it's sad to see him go out like that, especially without the you know, insurance of having, you know, a couple of years of uh, extra on his contract.
1: And to talk about Le'Veon Bell, what what was your take on that? How do you how do you feel about it? Because I know I myself I have found Le'Veon Bell's antics quite frankly disrespectful to the Steelers franchise and a slap to the face of the owners. Head coach Mike Tomlin mm-hmm. and the players, because much of his success was built off of the success of his offensive line and right. careful crafting by the franchise. They
0: just uh they just announced that Le'Veon Bell was coming back week seven, which is I think it's good for the Steelers if you're if you're a fan and all that. I think he's I think if I was him, I would still want to hold out, really push for that trade because I think in this essence, Le'Veon Bell is five times worth the value of what Earl Thomas is worth. Um, and even a guy like Khalil Mack or Aaron Rodgers, because Le'Veon Bell is the best running back. Wow,
1: worth more than Khalil Mack and Aaron Rodgers? I
0: think Le'Veon Bell could go to any team, be the best running back in any in the NFL. He could also go to a lot of different teams, basically everyone but the Falcons and the Bengals <laughs> who have Julio and A.J. Green. He could probably be the best receiver on that team. So I think obviously it's tough, though, because running backs are so devalued in this current state of the NFL – but I think he needs to get his money. I, I do agree, though. It is a little selfish the, the far as the tweets and the, the social media things he's called out. And his offensive line isn't too happy about it, and neither is the franchise. Well, oh, rightfully but.
1: so. Can you put yourself in those positions? Of course. I mean – Yeah.
0: And uh, I just think, though, he do he does need to get paid. And I, I wouldn't – because what if he breaks his, like, first week? Then he's going to go into free agency and teams are going to be like, ah, you just came off a broken leg. Am I going to really give you a four-year lucrative deal? Probably not. I'm gonna give you a one year. Let's see, five million, five million a year, which is still a good contract to us. But to him, I mean, it's it's different. You know, if you're, it's a different state of the NFL. Obviously, they
1: they've become accustomed to making a certain amount of money to their skill set. So mm-hmm. yeah, in a way, I can I can imagine Le'Veon Bell going, "You're gonna give me five million for one year or two years? Mm-hmm. And get to skipping. I think I'd imagine he'd say other things, but yes, keep it PG. Yeah, and um, yeah, so. It's unfortunate, but I think we both agree that it's going to start with the Players Association for the NFL, and they kind of got to get that together. There's no reason why the NFL shouldn't be their players shouldn't be on par with some of the highest other highest paid athletes in other sports as in well. other
0: sports exactly. Moving on to baseball and playoffs, and that just kicked off. It was a wild end to this regular season. We had to have 263rd games divide, uh, to decide uh, to decide the NL Central and NL West winners. Um, the Rockies came, or excuse me, the, uh, Dodgers came out on top of the Rockies for the NL West. And then the Brewers came out on top of the Cubs for the NL Central, the Cubs and the Rockies played in a one game wild card, And the Rockies came out victorious two to one, um, something that kind of went unscathed and wasn't talked about as much by the media. Maybe it's because the media doesn't like to rip on the Cubs for some reason, but the Cubs had 22 innings at home and two, you know, must-win games, basically, to two games at home at Wrigley Field, and they could only muster up, what, three runs, and they lost both games? They, they faced
1: great pitching. I mean, that's – the Rockies threw their ace, Kyle Freeland. Yes. And he, for the most part, I'd say pitched well. I mean, they jumped on Lester early, and that proved to be uh, an anomaly because Lester following that first – Lester following that first inning – was pretty much untouchable. Nine strikeouts through, I believe, seven, seven innings pitched. The Rockies took advantage of the Cubs, and I think the Cubs went into that game kind of assuming they were going to win because it was at Wrigley. But I'll tell you this, that game should have never even gone to extra innings. I think the Rockies, I think Bud Black is kind of a poor manager, or he's shown his poor managerial skills, and it's kind of like a bit of a head-scratcher, you know? And I think Milwaukee is probably going to run through him personally. Yeah. So... But to touch upon the Cubs, yes, terrible offensive efficiency left. A lot of guys on bases. Defensively, they were there. They didn't make a lot of mistakes. But offensively, they just could not put a run across the plate until the Rockies began shooting themselves in the foot.
0: Yeah, the the Cubs had the – I think they scored the second most runs, the fourth most runs during this season. So for a, a team that had home field advantage in those two playoff games, or essentially one was a playoff game, and the other was the uh, for the MLB Central, the uh, NL Central – um, for them to only score that many runs in, in that short amount of time, so in 22 innings, I think it's a, it's definitely a poor offensive effort. You have guys like Chris Bryant, Javi Baez, Wilson Contreras, a very talented offensive lineup, and they just weren't able to do it. And I think it's, it's a huge ch- choke job. Um, it's not to speak on any of their managers or the, the pitching was great. I think if you only allow one inning through nine innings or one run through nine innings, I mean your offense should be able to help you out more than that.
1: Yes, I do agree, and I think also the Cubs were kind of stymied at the fact that they didn't have Addison Russell, yeah. who currently, well, he was under investigation, the mm-hmm. jurisdiction, or the ruling has been they passed, balance, yeah. they're going to miss 40 games uh, next season, which I'm sure will hurt the Cubs, because... I'm sure it was a huge distraction for them, now. Yeah. Well, absolutely, too, and it's just, I felt that the Cubs had assumed that the NL Central was locked down for a while, so when they actually got in a dogfight, the Brewers had been on a... you know a go get him mentality like hey we weren't supposed to be here we clawed back up to get there and then to win it on Wrigley Field it's just kind of I think the Cubs just got demoralized yeah and then when the Rockies came in and slapped Lester around early on to take an early one run lead again another demoralizing uh knife to the heart for the Cubs and then of course like I said the Rockies a lot of their errors kind of brought the Cubs back into this game or back into the game but ultimately yeah that's if you're Joe Madden or if you're anybody like a beat writer that follows the Cubs, yeah, that's unacceptable. 22 innings and it's you, you can't plate more than one run. I mean, that's mm-hmm. – the issue is either stemming from managerial issues or players' issues. But, right. I mean, I suppose they have all of offseason, unfortunately. To uh to I'm not unfortunate. I've got to say I was happy to see the Cubs uh,
0: For us, yes. get bounced. Moving on to the AL side of things, there was no play-in games and obviously the wild card game was Wednesday night. The Oakland A's faced the Yankees. The Yankees really showed the, the power of that lineup. Uh, <laughs> Judge, Stanton, uh, and Judge and Stanton both went deep. Um, Voigt had a killer game. I mean, that offense, one through nine, is a very scary lineup.
1: Yep, and the fact that Didi Gregorius was healthy enough mm-hmm. to actually play scares me even more because I remember when I heard the injury that he had torn his cartilage in his – in his uh wrist I figured this is it. Like, you know, the, the Yankees lose themselves a great defensive shortstop mm-hmm. and they're probably gonna have Good to rely, offensive line yeah,
0: yeah, offensive player too. And
1: they're probably gonna have to rely on somebody to step up. Well that hasn't been the case and the Yankees have just picked up just where they did last season. I, I can see the Yankees going on a deep run within the AL but they're it's gonna they're gonna have to go through Boston and I think Boston is the most complete team mm-hmm. right now. You uh, your two hottest teams are the Dodgers and the Brewers. But your most complete team is Boston, and the Yankees are going to have to go through a buzzsaw of a starting rotation and starting lineup. So hard to see where the Yanks are going to end up this season. But yeah, they did beat up on the Oakland Athletics. And then fun little stat or note here for you, Oakland Athletics had a $66 million payroll. The mm-hmm. Yankees had a $166 million payroll.
0: Yeah, the A's actually... $100
1: million on them. That's insane.
0: Yeah, you said they were 66 this year. I, I was listening to the broadcast of that game. They had an $85 million payroll the year before, and they actually won... 30 more games with the $20 million less payroll. So, I mean, that's a dream scenario. And obviously Billy Bean, you know, he knows how to work that magic of his, obviously, unfortunately for the A's and Oakland fans, he hasn't been able to put together a team that's quality enough to win the playoffs. Um, a lot of that has to do with their pitching and really their pitching didn't come out to play. It's sometimes you need those veterans. And I think speaking of veterans, I guess we can just dive right into the AL playoff picture since we're talking about that stuff. Um, The Yankees play the Red Sox. That's going to be a huge series because, A, it's the biggest rivalry probably out of all sports. And on the other side of things, you have the Indians who are, what, three years removed or two years removed from losing that World Series to the Cubs versus the Astros, the Houston Astros, last year's World Series winners. I mean, I think all four of those teams are all capable of going to the World Series. They're all very complete teams. You mentioned the Red Sox is a complete team, but I think all four of those teams are very complete um, some are obviously better than others, but those are very four good teams. Who do you got coming out?
1: Ooh, okay. Well, I'll preface this with saying I want to see a Boston Dodger World Series because one of my favorite non-Dodger players is Mookie Betts, and I just would love to see him fall out in the World Series. Put him, put him down in history books. It's like Mookie Betts. That's a name that needs to go down in history books and a great World Series performance. But all jokes aside, though, you are right. The AL, unlike the NL, because I just don't foresee the Braves and the Rockies really putting up much fight for the Dodgers and Brewers respectively. And I, In fact, I'm foreseeing a sweep for both series. But for the AL, I do not foresee that. I foresee the Yankees and Red Sox going five. I have obviously the Red Sox moving on. And then for Cleveland and Houston, you know what? I feel that the Astros are going to do it again and get to the ALCS. And this time, I think Boston ought to beat them. Last year, Houston beat Boston in the AL Divisional Series. But this year, I think Boston gets their revenge. And I think it just comes down to their lineup. I think Boston has a much more hotter lineup. You know, J.D. Martinez has been doing exceedingly well. Mookie Betts exceedingly well. Jackie Bradley Jr. has been complimenting those power hitters. Sandra Bogars, all those guys, one through
0: nine, they're very dangerous. Sandy Leone, surprisingly,
1: has (laughs) been an okay, consistent hitting catcher. Mm-hmm. It's just overall, it's hard to find an issue with this Red Sox team. But much oh, of the same well, for the AL too. You yeah. know, I'm not to discredit you. You're absolutely right. The Tribe scares me. They have a buzz solve of starting rotation too to go back to Kluber Carrasco, uh, Carrasco Clevenger. Clevenger, and Bauer. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't want it. I wouldn't want I it. think they're the first team to
0: ever have four pitchers with over four starters with over two hundred strikeouts in a season. I mean, they wow, they that's, have that's ridiculous. One through four, they're as solid as they come, and we've always said that about the Indians. They have if their starting rotation can stay healthy, I mean, they are dangerous. No, and rotation. then one of
1: the best third basemen right now, I'd argue in the league with Jose Ramirez. Yeah. So, and Francisco Lindor, they yeah, have a very right, scary well, Frankie. Team. So it's kind of.
0: Yeah. For me, I got the Yankees upsetting the Red Sox. Largely, in fact, because you mentioned the Red Sox don't have a, a problem in their team. Their one problem, their slight problem that they do have is their bullpen. They really yeah. didn't do a lot to invest in it. The Yankees made moves to invest their bullpen. The, the Indians made moves to bolster their bullpen. And even the Astros made moves to bolster their bullpen. But the Red Sox weren't able to do so. Joe Kelly's kind of been inconsistent. The closer Kyle Kimbrell has been lights out, but everyone before him is kind of like, eh, you know, you're expecting Chris Sale to go eight or maybe seven and a third or or so much, and I have to expect all your guys to do that now from Price to uh, whoever else they decide to start, whether it's Eduardo Rodriguez or somebody else that we Nathan Evaldi, Nathan Evaldi exactly. So I think the bullpen is really gonna favor in the hand of the Yankees, and I think the Yankees are gonna move on. They both have scary lineups. Starting pitching is probably even. Um, oh, well, you give Red Sox a slight advantage, but last year we saw Chris Sale get torched by the Astros. And obviously, the Astros last year had a scary lineup, but I think the Yankees lineup is just as scary. I think when it comes down to it, postseason pitching is not as good as it is in the regular season. The hitting obviously gets better um mm, and that's an
1: interesting to, take okay I've always thought it was the opposite way around
0: and i think well and i, I think the bullpens have to get better yes. i mean i think the reason why the rockies were able to come out in that game is because they had the better bullpen than the cubs um and the reason why the, the yankees won that game obviously their starter dominated for four innings but they had a lights out bullpen from robertson um to chapman to Betances. i mean sheesh to, they even threw britain and britain was lights out for a while too
1: can we t- can we touch on Anna?
0: Yeah, yeah. Because, I
1: like, <laughs> oh, well, I just wanted to say you mentioned that the Rockies had a solid bullpen, but you know who has, hasn't been solid and I think is going to prove problematic if the Rockies do go five with the Brewers? Adam Atavino. Mm-hmm. He has been. He's blown the game in the wild card. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah, wild card. No, it was game one. Well, I know, both game one and the wild card, he blew, mm-hmm. essentially. And I think that does not bode well for a Rockies team that doesn't have many options off the bench or in the bullpen to come up and kind of in a safe situation. But to touch upon. I do – well, you kind of briefly touched – actually, never mind. I'm not going to go back to the AL. Let's just focus on the NL. Uh, to touch upon the NL races, though, I mean, if you really look at it, the Dodgers and the Brewers match up quite nicely. Pitching-wise, rotation, pitching wise, the Dodgers have the edge. Lineup-wise, I think they're pretty evenly matched. What do you think?
0: I, 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 go, I go Brewers on the really? lineup. I think – it really depends, but I think bullpen is really where the Brewers have that edge over it. So you can – you're probably right. Lineups will give them a tie. Starting pitching, you got to go with the Dodgers because you know I don't even know who the Brewers' ace is. They threw Yuuichiro Chasin yeah, for yeah, the wild yeah. card game. I mean that guy's been around for a while, but he's always been kind of a middle of the road pitcher. Um, pitched you know, well
1: in the uh, tiebreaker.
0: He, he did. He did pitch well in the in the tiebreaker. It was the wild card. Game he pitched pitched, I believe. Um, and they have some solid guys that. Uh, or you're right. It was the tiebreaker. Yeah, I was gonna say the Brewers won uh, the Central, my man. <laughs> you know, and it was just. I think their starting pitching is going to be probably the thing that holds them back, but I think they have such a lights out bullpen and he starts right there with Josh Hader, um, Corey, Corey, Corey Knebel, Corey Knebel, Corey I don't know his name. But uh, he's been lights out as their closer. They've had a lights out bullpen the whole year, um that I think the two huge moves in the offseason right before the or sorry, in the season right before the trade deadline, getting Jonathan Scope, getting Mike Mustakas, really bolstering that lineup. I mean, now you have Jesus Aguilar Schmalfstak is scope. Uh, also to go with Ryan Braun. Yeah, I was
1: about to say it doesn't help that Braun is playing as he as if he's a youngin again, and he yes. is just absolutely tearing it up. He's on he's on a mission to prove something.
0: You still have Lorenzo Cain. I mean, that's just Christian, Christian Yelich, and of course Christian the Yelich who was and probably the NLVP and the guy who almost hit the triple, who almost landed the triple crown this year too. So I mean, that's a really scary lineup. I think ultimately that's going to be the NL the NLCS series because, like you said, I don't think the Braves or the Rockies pose too much of a threat. I don't think they're both going to be sweeps. I think the Rockies will take one game, but they're going to be We're both relatively fast series. And I think the Brewers are actually going to take over the Dodgers because I think this is the year of bullpens, and Brewers have that edge in bullpen, and Jansen hasn't really been there for the Dodgers through thick and thin this year. He's been too rocky, even in the play-in game. The 163 game. Gave him he, two jacks. He gave him two jacks and that 5 0 lead, and obviously made it a little closer for comfort than Dodger fans would have liked. But I think if it comes down to bullpen, Brewers are going to take the NLCS, go on to the World Series, where I think they'll face the New York Yankees. Um, I don't like, I'm not a Yankee fan by any means, but I just think they're a really good team. And what we saw last year from the Astros, I think the Yankees mirror a lot of that. Um, they have a lot of youth. They have a lot of fun playing ball. They have a lot of power in their lineup. They hit the most home runs this year. Um, and their defense is solid all around, too. And they have a very scary bullpen, much like the Astros did last year. It's going to be tough. I think the Astros have every bit of chance to go and represent the AL, too, though, because they're just as good.
1: Well, now that we've discussed the playing field and the brackets, i to shake up. Let's talk awards. Who do you have for the NL MVP? My vote is Christian Yelich. Oh,
0: yeah, we just talked about him, and he's he had a season to remember forever. I mean, that was a crazy good season, especially for a guy that was traded from the Marlins for not very much.
1: Talk about a steal. I think the Brewers must have been salivating when they said, Christian Yelich, for not much? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Let me take him off your hands. And I think what what what's more amazing is no one expected him to hit yeah. as well as he did because he wasn't that – much he wasn't that promising of a hitter when they got him. In fact, I think the Brewers got him for his defensive capabilities more so than his ability to swing the bat and get him play. And now look at him; he's leading the NL and almost or batting average because he won the batting title. Mm-hmm. He's missing; he's shy of to triple crown by one RBI and one home run.
0: Yeah, last yeah. I think the past seasons he was a very good contact hitter, but you never saw the power numbers from Yelich. I this see. year he brought the power numbers, and it's not like Milwaukee's a super friendly ballpark for hitters. So I mean, really, it was a, just a whole growth that year, and like you said, the Brewers came out with the steal. I think he's no doubt the NL MVP. It's all that Miller Lite, drinking. <laughs> all that Miller Lite. Told you. NL Cy Young. This is gonna oh. be a, a good discussion because there's three guys who are really deserving of it, but obviously one can only win the award. Who do you got? Chris Sale. Chris Sale. NL. I said NL, buddy. You said AL. I that's... said NL.
1: I could have sworn I heard AL. I promise <laughs> you. If we replay this. But I said NL, I at, oh my God. Okay, NL, Cy Young. See this. I'm gonna pose this question to you, and but I'm gonna answer. But I'm I just asking who do you think is gonna win? Well, it's a. This okay. is an important part of the discussion. Do you value wins or do well, you value ERA? Yeah, neither of us are voters, but it's gonna come. That's gonna affect on who you feel is going to win. My vote is Degrom. Yeah. I think what he did, a criminal, criminal ERA, one point eighty five or nine. To be on a... He had 27 consecutive quality starts, an MLB record this season, co- accompanied by 200-plus strikeouts in a losing team. That's absolutely ridiculous. And if he doesn't win, DeGrom will join a very ever-long-growing list of pitchers who have pitched essentially criminal ERAs and led the league in strikeouts, but were on bad teams. Yes. So I asked you what you value of wins, because the voters are probably may or may not give Scherzer the nod just because of the wind department Scherzer blanks him Mm -hmm. beats him by a mile with 17 wins on the season but I just I think if you put in context of what deGrom has done with the New York Mets and how he's basically had 27 plus starts of one hit one run ball I mean that's just ridiculous. I mean I'd challenge any pitcher to Yeah, do comment. what he did. Yeah.
0: I I totally agree with you. I was kind of be I was kind of upset cuz it looked like you were leaning towards somebody else, but oh, no, no, <laughs> I I definitely think DeGrom wins it too. He's almost a whole point lower in ERA yep. than Max Scherzer. And Whip, then Aaron Nolo. Whip is really good too. And it's really just it, it's unfortunate if he doesn't win just because he was on a shitty New York Mets team that really couldn't score I mean there was games where he'd only give up one run but the Mets couldn't score any runs and he would lose one to zero he'd get a no decision because he would pitch seven shutout innings and his team couldn't score any runs in that inning as well that's gotta be the
1: worst to get a no decision and go out and have 8ks 12ks but to
0: have a 185 ERA that's that's almost I mean that's unheard of and I think that's a historical season he deserves NL Cy Young It'll be interesting to see if he gets it because Max Scherzer and the name. He had 300 strikeouts. Aaron Nola is the guy who's also up there who had a lot more wins. Um, but I think DeGrom definitely deserves it. Moving over to the AL, uh, there's a couple guys, two in mind, and I you already leaked out who you think, so I'll just uh, take Sorry. the reins on it. <laughs> you got Chris Sale. I got Blake Snell because much, okay. much like Jacob DeGrom in the NL, Snell was on a bad team. He was on the Rays, but he put up lights-out numbers, too, for in this season, and I think he's very deserving, obviously, of the uh, of the AL Cy Young last a couple was it two years ago when we saw Verlander lose the Cy Young to a Rick Porcello just because Porcello had more wins, and right, that shouldn't be the case this year because uh, Blake Snell and both Jacob Degrom had crazy good years. I'm gonna pull up the Blake Snell stats right now. Well, as
1: as you do that, I'm just gonna talk a little bit about how. I can understand why the writers who, who are voting, the voters for Cy Young, would put more value mm-hmm. in pitchers' wins because a 20-win pitcher is, is, is... Which he crossed that yes, plateau. Now. He had 21 wins yes. this season, which it's... I really like your pick, and I'm kind of glad you said that because I just feel Chris Sale's have it on lock because I felt like it's been Chris Sale since the All-Star breaking onwards, and I feel mm-hmm. that could affect and sway voters' opinions. Mm-hmm. But you are absolutely right. But it just comes down to what you value more. Me, personally, I think it's... I think it's harder to have a low era and high strikeouts than it is to acquire wins because you could be a relatively mediocre pitcher and, get and still acquire yeah because like your Corsello. team lead, uh, more and like david price Christ to be honest yeah so it's it's a shame that the, a lot of the voters are very old school in nature because yes. i think a guy like blake snell who is very deserving is going to lose out to a guy like chris sale just because of you know the name and you know, the Red Sox, to be honest, yeah, going to play at a factor.
0: You mentioned 21 wins, 21 and 5 was the record this year. 189 Ooh, ERA. Man. Um, he had 221 strikeouts. I mean, the dude was lights out, he had a 0.97 whip as well. So, obviously, I think he's deserving. We'll see if he gets it over Chris Sale. And then we got rookie of the year, obviously. Uh, There's been a lot of talented rookies on both sides. I think the NL race will be a little tighter. But on the AL side, it's really between Miguel Andujar of the Yankees, the third baseman, or Shohei Otani, the pitcher slash DH-man for the Angels. Um, I know you already don't like Otani. I can see that face you're making. But uh, who do you got winning that AL?
1: Well, see, okay, it's not that I don't like Otani. It's just that, man, the guy spent half of the season injured. Like, how— How can you justify that if he wins? Yes, okay, he did a feat that hadn't been done in a while. Okay, you know what? Hats off to the man. But the experiment failed. The Angels have come out and said he will not be pitching next season. Because you know what? The reality of the matter is a modern-day baseball player cannot pitch and cannot field and hit at the same time. So I'm sorry, but the Otani experience is over, thankfully. You,
0: You mentioned that he was out for a lot of time, and he was. He did play 104 games still. He still hit 285. He did knock out 22 home runs. I think he was a very capable hitter in a short amount of time span. I mean, uh, in 326 at-bats, that's kind of a a big, that's a small sample size, but he still had like a whole season regular season numbers.
1: Well, that's just it. I think not a lot of people would film on him. And I know I sound like such a, I don't know what I sound like, but I know it's not good to people like, oh, he didn't have film. You know, he wanted those people. But it's true. I mean, just look at, Look at last year. Look at guys like Cody Bellinger. Not many people had film. He broke out. One, he was unanimous NL Rookie of the Year. Or, yeah, NL Rookie of the Year. And then look at this year. He's in a sophomore slump. You know, I I think next year if – I'll tell you this. Mark my words right now on this show. If Otani can hit as well as he's done in this small sample size, if not better, next season, then I will consider him legitimate as a hitter because then they'll have time to compile. And we're not talking about
0: legitimacy. We're just talking about – who wins the AL Rookie of the Year? Oh, yes,
1: this goes in Do you it.
0: think Andujar has enough on his skill set and on his level and his I'll give you one better. Resume. I, think,
1: I think it's Glaber um, Torres. Mean, think Gleyber Torres? I think okay. Glaber Torres wins it. And what a, what a disgusting, um, <laughs> what a disgusting abundance of talent the Yankees have. They yeah. have two players on the Rookie of the Year award watch. And as for the analysis between Jack Flaherty, Walker Bueller, Ronald Acuna, I mean, that's uh. Who do I have for the NL? It's hard to it's hard to not like Walker Bueller. and that's not even because he's a Dodger. I mean, look what he's look at his ERA he's posted since the All Star break. Yeah. Or in September, like a one point eight nine. He's been up there with you some Cy Young candidates. So I'd have to say Rookie of the Year goes to Bueller.
0: I think it goes to Ronald Acuna just because he's been such a, a staple of that Braves offense. Um, you should vote at against me, that, me, huh? At that leadoff position, yeah, I am because I hate the Dodgers. Yeah. <laughs> But, uh, no, seriously, the Ronald Acuna had, what, what was it, like eight leadoff home runs, which tied the most ever for uh, a leadoff hitter. Uh, I think he had three games in a row, and that's when he got drilled by that Miami Marlins pitcher, Jose Uruña. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wonder what happened to him. And, well, he's, he's Jose Uruña. Right? <laughs> no, no one really cares. He <laughs> is. Um, but I just think it's, it's going to come down to a close end. There's other guys fitting Derek Rodriguez, uh, the, the pitcher for the oh, San yeah, Francisco the Giants. Played he was kind of – on a bad team but he had a a really good season as well um i'll see if i can get his stats really quick
1: ivan rodriguez was a bright spot on a very dim giants team this year and i think he i think once the giants um kind of let out the old breed and bring in some of the new and start working in their farm system prospects he's Mm -hmm. going to be a very promising pitcher
0: so kind of like jacob degrom and snell he or more so degrom he only had six wins um this season but he had a 281 era and 118 innings pitched he had only 89 strikeouts, so the strikeout numbers aren't there, but he had a really good WHIP as well. One thirteen was his WHIP, uh, so he has a really good WHIP, really good ERA. It uh, he was he's a pitch-to-contact guy. He was a ground ball slash fly ball, and especially in the pitcher-friendly park like AT&T Park, um, that's gonna work out for you. But I think he's he's also pretty deserving. It's just that Okunia, Bueller, and all those guys are a little bit better. Jack Flaherty had a good season too. Um, but I, I think it's gonna, I think it ultimately comes down to Bueller or uh, Acuna. I think it's gonna be one and you're of those voting two. Acuna? I'm voting okay, Acuna. And
1: I take Bueller, so we'll see how it all shakes out.
0: So at the end of the season, there was a couple guys that kind of said their goodbyes, and some of them had not officially retired yet. But we kind of do want to speak on the legacies really quick of uh, Adrian Beltre, Joe Mauer, and Hunter Pence, who all probably played their last baseball this season. Um, I'll start with Joe Mauer. I mean, uh, that's, what that, I was,
1: that's what I was going to say too.
0: Uh, he was, he was a great player. I remember he still, he was on that, the, the cover of was the MLB 06, the show. Um, and I had that game and, you know, for a long time, he was the best catcher. And obviously like any catcher, injuries will kind of derail your career. That's kind of what happened to him. But even through this season, he's always been a good contact hitter. Last year when they were in the, the, the playoffs, they had he, had, he had a very good contact hitting year. Doesn't hit for the power numbers he used to, but he was always a very good catcher, kind of like a staple of an offensive catcher that you wanted.
1: Well, remember, they moved him from catcher to first base, mm-hmm. and I think that what is, if we're going to talk just a little bit, just just what we can always touch touch on in another show, but just his Hall of Fame legacy and what they're going to consider. I've been doing a lot of reading on how, you know, his power numbers won't match up with other power first basemen or other, yeah, uh, power first basemen and traditional power hitters, but the thing is, is I, I think you have to look, Past that broader scope, he was up there with Molina in his prime, the best catchers, best he's hitting in the catchers. Yeah. Yes, yes, but not, well, also one of the most best defensive catchers as well too, and it's just, I mean, the kid, the guy won a Gold Glove, I think, if I'm not mistaken, three times or two or, I, I know he's won a Gold Glove, and as you look that up, case in point though is that it was, I am kind of sad to see Maurer uh, retire because or oh, he's gonna contemplate retirement, but I, it's almost certain many people within the Twins organization, from what I've read. Feel that it's pretty much he's gonna hang up the cleats now and say goodbye, and it's it's gonna mark an end of an era for a lot of people. And I know the day Molina retires will be the end of a real era of really good catchers. And Maurer is kind of a part of that very yes. niche, you know. Yeah, I agree. You did catchers. He did win three gold three gloves. Three gold so gloves. You were okay. On so the mark for that, I just think considering the injuries that Maurer has has dealt with, followed by position movements as well. It, it's kind of hard to imagine the guy won't end up in Cooperstown. And then obviously, I hope he does. Also,
0: too, he didn't get a lot of the hype that a lot of players would get because he played for the Twins. The Twins yeah. weren't always the best. Um, <laughs> yeah. And they're in a small market like Minnesota. So obviously, it, it w- you know maybe not it. a lot of players don't know about Joe Maurer the way some baseball fans do. Which is a shame. But it is, it is a shame, and I think he is very deserving of the Hall of Fame. Moving on to another name, too. Adrian Beltre, one of the best Dominican uh, players that we've seen in uh in MLB history, I think he broke the record for most hits by a Dominican-born player, and really just speak on his legacy too.
1: If I'm not mistaken, he is a part of the 3,000-hit club. Yeah, he is. Yeah, that's. I think I said it all right there. Yeah, 3,000 hits, man. Fathom that just for a bit.
0: He's a he's yeah he's a career sorry he's a career 273 286 hitter, and he's had a lot of great seasons too. He did it all. He was a five-time gold glove uh, winner, four-time silver slugger winner. and uh, he's been on a lot of bad teams too. <laughs> but he's kind of like the guy that was always kind of the consistent yeah. and he has fun playing baseball. I mean yeah. even this late in his career with Texas, he had a lot of fun with Elvis Andrews. You always see those clips on Twitter where he's, you know, he's just having fun yeah, basically poking, joking poking joke and yeah. with Andrews, who's a much younger player than him. So it's good to see players like Beltré still enjoy the game at such an older age.
1: He was a good representative for baseball and especially being a Dominican born player mm-hmm. as well. He's just he it's in my opinion he represents another golden era of baseball, different era of baseball and he plays the game. He consequently he plays the game differently and you know what, he's had a very storied career to have 3000 hits. It's it, for me that could be his only accomplishment ever mm-hmm. and I I think he would get into the Hall of Fame because that that's incredible, 3000 hits. That's a that's a club that nominate, that's a rarefied club that he's joined followed by I also believe that he's had In terms of uh, home runs, what was it? Um, mm, While I ruminate and think about that, (laughs) I'm going to let you pull up the stat line for it. But essentially, I. Yeah, Adrian Beltre is. Thank you for all the memories. Yes. I suppose to say. 477
0: home runs. Is that what you're looking for? Yes. 477 career. Home Damn run. near shy
1: 500. 3,000 hit club. Yes. 500 home runs. Jesus.
0: Uh, another player Help too. Us. You talked about. Uh, you talked about players who had a different style of play. None had a d- different style of play. More different style of play than Hunter Pence. Hey. The wackiest. I don't guy. like that guy. Well, yeah, none of us. Dodger killer man. He's a Giants player, obviously, but he had a great career too. He doesn't have the awards individually, but he was part of two World Series teams. A three-time All-Star and really was just like he like like I just mentioned earlier, really wacky fundamentals as far as you Tall know throwing a ball, hitting the ball, really did everything how you're not supposed to, but he still found a way.
1: Well, I mean, yeah, I don't know, I don't have much to say on the guy. I'm not very fond of him, but you know what? I do have to say this. He was probably one of the most clutch hitters the Giants had yes. in a very long time. I cannot tell you how many times the Dodgers were butting out or but. Yeah, but an out away from getting out of a jam, and Hunter Pence said, "Nope, not today, suckers," and went yard in 18t Park. But I respect that man, and I respect his career that he's had. And if he decides to retire, then I can't say I'll miss him, but I <laughs> wish him the best in retirement. And I do hope he finds himself in Cooperstown. I don't know if he has the numbers or the statistics to back it up, but you never know. Voters are always changing, and you know, changing the guard and whatnot. So, yeah, we've seen, man, you and I, we've seen some great players play, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have. We have. It's been Pretty a great amazing, era of baseball. Right? And and there's going to be some great I know. Players. I was about to say, a new era is being ushered in that I think is a hell of a lot more exciting than some of these old goats hanging up the cleats.
0: It is. I agree. And uh, one of the old goats hanging up the cleats for right now, as far as uh, with the, the team he's been with, Mike Sosha, the manager of the oh, Angels, finally they departed ways. The Angels said they're not going to bring back Sosha. He doesn't. He hasn't said anything about retirement, but this has kind of been the result that we all knew. And I said at the beginning of the year, when they had got Otani, when they re-signed Upton, when they got Kinsler, when they got Alderton Simmons, well, they had Alderton Simmons, when they got, um, I forget, Zach Kozart. when they got all these players. Good uh, players. These good players and uh, probably the best team on paper that they've put around around Mike Trout. I thought, man, if Mike Socher doesn't do it this year, get him at least to the playoffs, he's going to be out of town. And I said, that if he if he didn't get him to the playoffs, he was going to be out of town. And sure look enough, what happened. He was look what happened. He wasn't able to do so. And we probably knew it by the All-Star break.
1: You heard it here first, folks. No Alvarez can see into the future. But all jokes aside though, seriously, nineteen seasons and only one World Series to show for it. Or yeah, even yeah, even between that span, they only made the playoffs what, twice? Mm, no, they made it more than that. I would no. say
0: four times, five times.
1: Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, I'm mad with you. But it just Mike Shosha with the talent that he had, the talent that he had at his hands He and, never lived up to it. Yeah, and it's just kinda it's kinda sad because I feel that that's gonna pretty much tarnish his legacy as a what otherwise would be a decent manager. I, I think right. he was a poor pitching manager. I'll tell you that right now. I thought he managed pitchers terribly, and that's why consequently the Angels never really had a dominant pitcher. Yeah. But I mean, to to have got like you said, Bernie Kosar or not Bernie Kosar, Zach, Zach Kozar, Koza. Anderson Simmons, Mike Trout, Kinsler, Cole Calhoun, Upton, Ian Kinsley, yeah. Justin Upton and to not like be competitive in the AL West. Like, come on now. Yeah. Come on now. But I'm pretty sure he's still going to probably be involved within the baseball organization.
0: Probably move to a front office role. I would see. be hard not to. I mean, yeah. Mike
1: Scherzer still brings guys in. People still love him because he's a great press guy.
0: Yeah, and he's a great guy. There's nothing to speak bad about like his managerial years. It's just the tail end of his career wasn't what it was in the beginning, and he had a very long tenure with the Angels. I'm excited to see them move forward with hopefully a, a young, better manager that will lead them to the promised land because Keeping... they have the talent. Sorry.
1: Keeping with the topic of the changing of the guard amongst managerial positions, Bucky Showalter, mm-hmm. Buck Walter for the Baltimore Orioles, is now gone following an abysmal what was it, 47-115 <laughs> yeah. season. Or It was just pretty – a lot of things have to go wrong to have a season that bad. You know, that Followed was kind of – by Paul Molitor for yeah. the uh, Minnesota Twins. 20. He's out as well.
0: The Buck Walter move was kind of expected by a lot of people. For me, it wasn't as expected because – Buck Walter's is a good manager. He got yeah, that it was, team, it was, it was, an underperforming Orioles team, what was it, two years ago to the playoffs. And obviously it was more of the GM, the front office's fault. So, yeah, a couple year, more a couple more years ago. But it was more of the front office's fault for not putting the ticket team together around, never having enough pitching and stuff like that. So really sad to see Buck Walter, but I think he'll be coaching again soon because well, he's a great coach.
1: He actually said that while he's stepping down as a managerial position for the Baltimore Orioles – He's also going to maintain his position within the front office for mm-hmm. the team and he's probably going to become the new face of the organization or, you know, help out and scout or something. But whatever the case may be, hats off to you, Bucky Show Walter. You did the best you could with what you were given and that was forty seven wins. Yeah. <laughs> Which I and that is not even it's me sad, being sarcastic because that Orioles team is a sorry team. Very sorry. And I'm moving sure, on
0: from sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off no. there, buddy. But moving on from baseball Uh, We have some college football this week and some NFL this week too. And uh, not to go into too much of the games, but there's some interesting things. And uh, just like we did a couple weeks ago, I'm going to do some quick hitters. I'm going to ask you who the matchup, or I'm going to tell you who the matchup is. And I'm going to ask for who you think will win in both college football or NFL. Yeah, just straight up. Um, So starting off on Saturday, the big afternoon game, number five LSU goes to 22 Florida in the swamp and plays the Gators uh, Both coaches, both former coaches, Les Miles and – I'm drawing a blank on his name. Florida?
1: For Florida's head coach? Will Muschamp? No,
0: not, uh, not his current head coach. Wow, I totally bugged this. Dan uh, Mullen? No. Got the fa- Steve Spurrier. Oh, Steve Spurrier and Les Miles. That was terrible. Steve Spurrier and Les Miles made a bet. If the Gators were to win, Les Miles has to wear Spurrier's visor. Gross. And And uh, if the Tigers win – Steve Sparrow has to eat some grass. Oh, so, I was going to say, I hope so. Do you think, who do you think wins that game, Florida or LSU?
1: Oh, dude, it's clearly Florida. Come on, man. now. will all that LSU's LSU this year appears to be the real deal. Joe Burrow has been a quarterback that we saw from game one grow, and he's only gotten stronger, better, faster, and smarter in his playmaking decisions. And Florida, to be quite frank with you, I don't even know why they're ranked. I think it's because they're coming off of an upset of Mississippi State, and you know how the AP poll loves to cater to the SEC. So, yeah, that's my honest opinion on that matter. And plus, that back that you guys got in the backfield should absolutely have a game day or have himself a game.
0: So, morning game, big rivalry game here in the Big 12. Number 19, Texas, goes 2-7, Oklahoma. Who do you have winning that game?
1: Boomer Sooner. Boomer Sooner. Kyler Murray, right, Believe their quarterback? Yeah, he's going to drop like five touchdowns. And I hope, for the love of God, Sam Ellinger can stop being praised as the next Heisman quarterback, Colt McCoy, because he's not. USC just made him look good. So,
0: 13-ranked Kentucky. Kentucky's 5-0 and for the first time, I want to say, in uh, more than almost two decades. They go to Texas A&M. Jimbo Fisher's team, does Jimbo Fisher have another upside in him?
1: No. I think Kentucky is all in with what they brought up in that program, and the Kentucky, Kentucky Wildcats might actually be something to worry about in the SEC East. I mean, Georgia's going to beat them down, but until that matchup happens, Kentucky, keep it up.
0: The primetime game on ABC Saturday night. Notre Dame, number six in the country against at or in Virginia Tech, the 24 ranked team in the country. Ugh. Who do you have winning that game? What? It's not
1: Sac State and Weaver State? What? No. Primetime game, uh, Notre Dame. It's uh, At this point now, Notre Dame's schedule is so, I don't want to say padded, but at this point, like, really, who really stands in their way? But them. We've seen this so many times with an Irish team. So, I'm going to give the Irish the benefit of a doubt again. I hope I'm not made to be a fool. The Irish have done that to me many times, but I just don't think – and plus, I'll I'll tell you this right now, and we'll we'll move on. The Hokies lost to Old Dominion University in Norfolk, Virginia. Mm -hmm. Sit on that, ponder that, and then realize Virginia Tech does not deserve to be ranked again for the rest of the season. (laughs) Notre Dame big too.
0: And does Stanford have any trouble hosting Utah this weekend in the Pac-12 after dark game?
1: Potentially, yes, and I'm going to give Utah the upset.
0: I'm going to give Utah the upset. Moving on to the NFL, we have some quality matchups, too. Uh, morning game, Jacksonville at Kansas City. A lot of trash talk already between Jalen Ramsey and Tyreek Hill. Who do you got winning that game?
1: Kansas City. Tyreek Hill's performance on Monday Night Football against the Broncos proved to me that he's one of the superior running backs in the league. And you know what? Patrick Mahomes is a dual-threat quarterback that's going to open up the run game for Tyreek Hill. And I think the guy is just going to have himself a ball game. Plus, got to remember... Um, Who's your former LSU running back? Uh, Leonard Fournette is still out with a hamstring injury, which they're predicting should be about the same amount of time he had lost from last season. So if Fournette's in, it might be a different story, but I don't foresee Fournette playing in this game. So therefore, Kansas City Chiefs.
0: So the Chargers, it was announced this week that during practice, they were funneling noise to prepare for the game This Sunday, which is a home game for them, but they face the Oakland Raiders. Oakland, obviously, one of LA's favorite teams. Who do you got in that
1: game? Chargers, because Oakland cannot put together a win. Yeah. They couldn't put together a win if you handed them a 27-point lead. (laughs) Sorry. That secondary is abysmal. It is abysmal. In fact, hold up. Before you do this, let me pull up a stat that I have saved, because I shared uh, my uncle is an actual – he's a big Raiders fan. And when I read this statistic, I thought to myself, this was when they played the Cleveland Browns. And – I thought to myself, how in the world can you – can this be possible? After they had played the Cleveland Browns, there had been over 1,200 instances of a player having 100-plus rush yards and two touchdowns in a game in NFL history. Nick Chubb is the only player ever to do it in three rushes or fewer. And against the Raiders, he had three carries, 105 rush yards. Yeah. And two touchdowns. I
0: saw that. My <laughs> God. Yeah. Nick Chubbs is a really special running back there.
1: No, he is. That. Yeah, it, yeah. That's. But that's more so to showcase how poor the Raiders' defense is. And who's in the backfield for the Chargers? Gordon?
0: Mm-hmm. Melvin Gordon. He
1: should have himself. Uh, if you fantasy football, you have him. Start him.
0: Moving on to the Sunday night game, the Dallas Cowboys go against the Houston Texans in Houston. Who do you got winning that game? Why is this
1: even a question? America's team isn't even America's team. J.J. Watt's going to sack Des Prescott so many times because that offensive line can't even block. So Texans all the way.
0: And then the the (laughs) the Monday night matchup is an interesting one. The Washington Redskins, Alex Smith and Adrian Peterson versus the New Orleans Saints. We mentioned... Before already, Drew Brees going for the 500-touchdown career. Mark, who do you got winning that Monday night game?
1: The Brees will carry me through. He's going to he's gonna become the next quarterback to throw 500 touchdowns or hit that 500-touchdown plateau because what did the Redskins bring to the table? Not much. Then there you go. That's my <laughs> question. So you that, like that?
0: Nay, <laughs> <laughs> hey, he's on the Vikings now. Yeah. They, they let go of the best quarterback they ever had. Fools. Fools. Um, That's going to be it for today's Podfathers podcast. This was the 26th episode. Um. It was the 26th episode, and, you know, shout out to everyone who's stuck us through thick and thin. Uh, please like, share, and follow us. We are on SoundCloud, and we're also on Apple Podcasts, so if you have an iPhone, definitely, you know, be sure to follow us on that.
1: Listen to us anywhere, folks, not just on your laptops.
0: Mm-hmm. And I was going to ask you just one question to close the show, because I was asked this question yesterday. If you could be reincarnated to any animal, what would
1: you pick, Jacob Fanshaw? A goat a goat I love goats and they're so cool no I'm not even like this is bullshit like I love goats mountain goats you ever been to a petting zoo and you just see the billy goat chilling in the corner just chewing on that hay and you just come over to him and he's like dude I love goats but if that isn't Suitable enough for our viewers? No, that's suitable. I, like I love that, falcons. Too. They're cool as shit. I'd okay. love to be a falcon. Just, you know, chilling, you know, then come down, swoop it up, pick up a mice, come back, chill. A hey. mouse. A mice. mouse. Well, a mouse. We mice. would
0: say a mouse or mice in, in plural. How
1: about this? I'm a falcon. I'll come and scoop your ass. I don't need to be grammatically correct.
0: And that's going to do it. Wait,
1: wait, 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 You didn't answer the question yourself. What animal would you be? Why
0: do I? I'm not asking the question. I don't, well, I don't know what animal
1: you want to be. I know what I want to be. What do you want to be?
0: <sighs> Man, I would be a crocodile. <laughs> you know, I would be a crocodile because they're, they're sneaky as hell they hide in the swamps you can't even see them and all next thing you know you're drinking some water from the lake yeah dude. i'll snoop your falcon ass up
1: true true i wouldn't that's, want to live in florida though, yeah. got to cry, though.
0: that's <laughs> gonna be it for today's podfather podcast though <laughs> thanks again for tuning in i'm no alvarez i'm Jacob
1: fanchal the and, goat
0: and we are signing out